Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. A Red Bull and Max Verstappen walkover, a meteoric rise from Aston and the oldest driver on the grid as Leclerc opened up 2023 with a literal bang. Perez to the front, he loves a bit of Saudi. Could he be a challenger to Mighty Max? Australia ended in a mess as Leclerc opened up his sprint race account and Perez came through with another win. Miami though, the beginning of the end of Checo's championship run as the midfield pack continued their desperate squabble over the final point. Hello, Esteban Ocon. Welcome to the party, Alpine. And hello, Mercedes, sharing the podium, but still no one good enough to beat Verstappen. Montreal beckoned an Albon and a Williams, proved a match too much for many behind. Round nine was Austria, where Lando and McLaren came back to life, followed by an almighty Silverstone from him and Piastri. Pole for Hamilton in Hungary, his first in a while, but all hopes and dreams were dashed before he even made it to term one. But Ricky Bobby returned, and that made everyone smile. A Belgian sprint to see us into the half term break as Alpine decided to sack everyone. Perez continues to beat off pressure and Max Verstappen just keeps getting better and better. And I think that pretty much sums up the 2023 season so far. Probably could have done a bit more rhyming, but hey-ho. But to take a little closer look at the winners and losers, up to this point, as always, is Callan O'Keefe alongside myself, Harry Benjamin. And we're joined by F1 podcaster James Baldwin. Uh, James, welcome. Um, Are you regretting what you've signed up for for the next 30, 40 minutes or so? I'm not sure we necessarily need to go any further than what you've currently done. Harry, that was incredibly impressive. Maybe the best thing that's happened in the Formula One season so far. We can put (laughs) Red Bull and Max Verstappen's donors to one side and see how your rhymes improve for the rest of the 2023 season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be better. It could be better, but um, but I couldn't be asked to put any more work in, to be honest. (laughs) It is. It's hard hard to rhyme. I'll, I'll back you up here. And your intros just keep getting better and better. You're almost like Max Verstappen. You just, whenever we think there's not another level for you to find, you just keep finding it, don't you, Harry? Well, that's what I thought last week's one was was quite good. So I felt like I try, I need to try and sort of keep keep building on it. So um, so yeah, you know what? Well, we'll see what next week brings. Um, okay, well, we thought we'd do a little, it's the summer break and uh, everyone's on holiday. Uh, so we thought we'd do a little look back at the season so far, halfway through now. And I suppose... Callan, is it really just a matter of saying, well, if you if you put Verstappen and Red Bull out of it, it's actually been quite a good season? Yeah, I mean, everyone keeps saying the same thing, don't they? It makes it very difficult to have a kind of unique insight when there's one man just dominating it. But it has, I, I, it has been an interesting season. There's been a lot of ups and downs. Whenever we think a team's kind of entering that run of form, something seems to happen and someone else seems to take it away from them. And it it has been a very, very close fight behind it. It's one of the closest I can remember in, in recent years in terms of let's let's you know call it Formula One point five. The rest that aren't Verstappen, they are close, and there's no real form guide anymore. As soon as as soon as you think a driver's found their feet, a team's finding their rhythm, something happens. The entire team gets you know sacked. They you know McLaren magically coming back. If someone would have said that at the start of the year, and they they look like they're on a real strong run of form and. We kind of watching the slow demise of Ferrari and 
you know, Aston Martin kind of diminishing into kind of anonymousness as well, for lack of a better word. It is it is interesting and it's setting up for a good second half of the season, I think. Yeah, that battle for second is is something we can all cling on to. But I suppose, James, you know, being being over in Australia, was it quite a hit when Ricardo left? I mean, you still have Piastri. I mean, let's let's spoiler alert: Ricardo comes back. But Piastri, <laughs> I haven't made it that far yet. <laughs> what have you done? Why have you ruined it for everyone? Unbelievable. <laughs> but but obviously, you know, such a huge character, and then. He leaves. Piastri is, you know, you still have a presence on the grid, but rookie season, he hasn't quite, I think he's very much developing a personality and a character over oh, literally week by week at the moment. But but was that a huge loss for, for Formula One in Australia? It certainly was. And I think it was almost unfortunate that it was Oscar taking Daniel's seat. And of course, because there was no, you know, there's not Mark Webber ripping Daniel Ricciardo out of that McLaren and shoving Oscar in. There's none of that kind of behaviour. It was just, you know, a failure on Alpine's part to secure Oscar, uh, Daniel and McLaren not gelling at all. And I think because Formula One really came into itself through Drive to Survive, certainly, you know, Daniel had been doing incredible things all the time in the Red Bull as much as he could, even though it was Mercedes' dominance back in the day. There was still a lot of passion behind Daniel, not in the same way that we had about Mark, and that's not to take away anything from Mark Webber. Incredibly lovely man, fantastic racer. But as you say, the personality of Daniel Ricciardo really just elevated what Australians were to everyone else around the world, especially in the Formula One world. So certainly for, for my podcast, when we saw Daniel left, we we felt this really deflated sense of Australianness going into this season and because Oscar is brilliant in every single way, it was kind of overshadowed, I think, by the the loss of DR. It's funny, though, when we start to see a little bit of a glimpse with McLaren starting to come back, I, th- I think back to Austria and seeing what Lando was able to do, although that's a track that he favours quite well, knowing that those upgrades were coming, then seeing Oscar performing at such a high level compared to his teammate. And, of course, as we always say, the the judge is against the teammate, not the rest of the grid. And to be in a couple of tents with not all of the upgrades in Britain was incredibly impressive from my point of view. And then, of course, we see Daniel come back to the grid. I think that just the Australian feeling about Formula One is one of jubilation now compared to absolute disaster at the end of 2022. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think you're, you're, you you hit the nail on the head and the real sort of knife in the back for, for Ricardo was the fact it was Piastri taking that position, wasn't it? But, well, that's a little look, I suppose, at, at the kind of general view. But, okay, we've got two piles in front of us. We've got a winner's and a loser's pile. And we're going to sort of place teams and drivers respectively into each one. And I'm going to open up the, the the booking, Callan, and I'm going to put straight away because I think we're in a real danger of actually glossing over what they are achieving, which is Red Bull and Max Verstappen. You have to put them in the winner's pile straight away. I mean, what is it now? 13 consecutive wins. They could well very much win every single race this year or that it was remaining this year. But I mean, just how how special is this? What we're seeing from Red Bull, it seems more more special than what we saw with Mercedes. Yeah, I, I think it's it's the fact that it's one driver doing it. I mean, Perez had a strong start to the year, as you said in that lovely intro. But 
he's kind of been, he's just not been there. You know, as soon as there was all the hype about the championship and him finally taking the fight to Max, that's when the wheels really fell off, didn't they? And he's he's kind of refound a little bit of form before the summer break, but it's still it's still not good enough. If you look at the margin that Max is winning by, and I think that's the thing that for me I've said before on the podcast that makes it so much more special. It's not like the Rosberg Hamilton era where they were both dominating, they were fighting for wins. It's Max and Red Bull, and that's where I think Max has done an amazing job to build this team around him, to maximize the car, to finally put all that potential into place, to then go out and be the most dominant sportsman and high-performing sportsman in, in the world. I can't think of anyone who's doing what he's doing in any other sport across the world. And it's very easy because we all want to show, we all want the you know the Formula One excitement factor to, as you say, overlook that and, and the amazing job that him and Red Bull are doing because you know generations like this or, or areas like this don't come around very often, do they? No, I mean, no, not at all, do they? I mean, right, Do we? is that it, James? We just say, right, okay, Red Bull, yeah, winners. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm now, I just want them to dominate everything possible. Like, obviously, no one else is going to come near them. Sergio is not going to come anywhere near Max. It's how can Max dominate as much as possible? We see him, you know, have some grid penalties for new parts in the car. It's just more about when does he get past all of these guys in front of him, let alone if. I, I think, we, you know, it's, it's different to talk about the Schumacher era, I think, to now because we've got so many more Grand Prix than we had back then. So it's almost different to the Mercedes dominance. It's in in every other way. I think, Callan, you're right. There is no one else doing what Max is doing right now at this level. And, uh, I mean, he was bred for this, wasn't he? Uh, an absolutely in- incredible talent. His mother, incredible Carter. His dad, obviously, a Formula 1 driver. So he is ready and raring to go, I think, just to smash the rest of the season. And, of course, you can't not put them in the winner's category. Yeah, I think, have you seen that photo of Max and Yoss when Max was, I, I think he was like three or four and it's it's them at Genk. And it's one of Max's first times in a go-kart where Yoss is sort of standing at the apex pointing at it. And I, I saw that photo obviously when he got to Formula One and it's been around for years because, because of who Max is and how much he's won. But I remember the first time I saw that photo just looking at four or five-year-old Max and thinking, God, doesn't he look professional? Like everything just looked <laughs> from the moment he was decided that he was going to be a racing driver. He was a racing driver and he was almost a world champion and he was he was bred for that. And it it's amazing to see it all kind of come true because if, if you look at his trajectory, the way that he got to Formula One, it was very, you know, it was it was very against the tradition. One year of, of FIA of three and then straight in, obviously. But Max was always one step ahead. When he was racing junior karting, he was always testing senior karting. When he was in senior karting, he was always testing KZ the shifter. When he was, you know, when he was doing senior karting, he was probably already testing F that was the equivalent Formula Renault. It's, it's Frecker now. He was always that one or two steps ahead and just so well prepared for everything he did so that he could just get in and execute. And it did take I think we always forget how long he's been in Formula One for as well. It mm. has actually taken quite a long time, hasn't it? And we had that rookie season where there was a lot of mistakes and a couple of hot-headed moments, but it's you know <laughs> it's amazing how when you finally find the balance, you can uh, you can do something great that I don't think we're going to see anyone else replicate for a very very long time. I um, I found a great clip the other day of a broadcaster. I won't say who it was, but they they are still broadcasting quite bright, quite high profile. Uh, basically saying name drop, name drop, name drop, name drop. Name drop. <laughs> no, I, I, won't, I won't. But basically saying this Verstappen, I just think he's a bit overrated. He just you know, uh, and, I, and I was like, thing for Martin Brundle to say. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't Martin Brundle. It wasn't. Ah, the process of elimination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> it worked, it worked. 
Good. Palmer says a lot of stuff as well. No. Um, all right. Let's open. Okay. I've opened the batting with Red Bull. James, let's let's have another winner there. Who, who's on your winner's list so far this year? I think for from my point of view, Williams is one of the teams that probably doesn't get quite enough of, of a conversation point. Yes, they're doing quite well, but is the, the Monaco Grand Prix stuck in my mind for looking at a brand new floor of a Mercedes, looking at the underside of a Red Bull and looking at a very smooth Williams that had, like they had all this wind tunnel testing time allocated to them from being so far down the pack. And it's like they forgot how a wind tunnel works because they didn't do any, it seemed like they didn't do any work whatsoever. Of course, tongue in cheek. But that being said, the the way that this team has taken really positive steps towards being in the mid-pack and, and the top of the mid-pack, building the car around Alex Albon, uh, Jos Capito, of course, doing quite a lot. But really now, James Vowles, who is an absolute gem to have on the broadcast and and certainly I think probably maybe someone in Williams is telling him to give less away when he talks to someone on the broadcast (laughs) rather than as much. But from a fan point of view, it is beautiful to listen to. But this is a team that not too long ago was just in absolute struggle town, struggle street, and no longer that they have to rely on pay drivers. I think that's probably the biggest thing for this team moving forward. And looking at someone like Alex Albon who who was, I just remember him in China in that Toro Rosso, one of the best Formula 1 drives I've seen in such a long time. Of course, getting that promotion then into the top team and unfortunately being moved aside for Checo. Just all of this now falling into place in this magic spot for him, I think, is just such a brilliant thing for him, for the sport and for team for the team. Did, did everyone see that part? I, I don't know if it's just social media taking words and taking them out of context, but did you see where um, Alex said that he'd rather have a seat in Chinese F4 than retake the second Red Bull seat? <laughs> no, now, he didn't. Yeah, so I saw a thing. It's obviously <laughs> in Twitter, so you don't know if it's true. And it looked very professionally done. I can't remember uh, what the source was. But I just thought, that's true. That's, that's just amazing, isn't it? I'd rather take, he's, he's going to make a, a you know, reappearance at the Macau Grand Prix this year in Chinese airport rather than taking that seat back from Dr. Marco. It's, I think it's the, the best career decision he will ever make is not taking that second Red Bull seat. Getting himself a seventh mm. or eighth just looks way better than finishing second to Max Verstappen, you know, 30 plus seconds off, doesn't it, for Albon? But I think, James, you make a really valid point. It's really easy. It's really easy to forget actually what a great job Williams and Albon are doing. And it's he, again, when you talk about building the team, it, He's almost doing a, a Verstappen-esque um, performance, if you like, around a team that was in such despair only a few years ago. And yeah, that that floor, the floor photos, it's just amazing to see how far they've come. And we traditionally know that they're very, very strong at places where it's, it's low downforce and they can kind of get away with having that, you know, let's call it smooth floor, slippery car, um, fast in a straight line. <laughs> That's the, definitely the aerodynamic term, um, but it, it's nice to see. It's nice to see Williams performing now at a, at a wider range of circuits. It looks like the team's on the up, and hopefully, again, it, it brings them more into the fight for the midfield and makes it a little bit more exciting, doesn't it? Work to do on the other side of the garage, though, with Logan Sargent. I think he's got to up his game a little bit. I think he is getting better, though. He's getting closer, and I, I think again, you're always rel- you're, you're measured relative to your teammate. I think Alban's just doing a really, really good job. And again, we we always fall into the trap, don't we? Of oh, well, you know, it's he's he's nine races in or ten races into his Formula One career now, whatever it is. He just should be perfect. I don't, I don't get why he's not beating his really experienced team. Well, it's going to take Nick, you back to Nick DeFries. Nicky DV, you yeah. know, <laughs> wasn't perfect. Out he went. 
gone but never forgotten. <laughs> I, I would say... I'm, I'm actually trying to get him to replace you on this podcast, Callan. So... Not I, again. I heard he's free. At least he might bring a microphone. Yeah, apologies if it does sound like I'm underwater in a tin can. <laughs> but yeah, um, if I get replaced by Nick DeFries, I'm happy to help him out. I know he's really struggling since he lost the Formula 1 seat and I'm happy to do some charity work for an underprivileged Dutch kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, meow, meow. Oh. All right. Love you, Nick. Come All back. Right. <laughs> yeah, for, we, we'll, we, we'll clip that up for when we get him on the show. Um, okay. I, right. I've, I've been beaten by him enough in my career. I'm still holding on to the fact yeah. that he put me on the grass at Spa and took away my first Formula Renault podium. I'd like to confront him about it. Let's bring him back. Let's, let's bring him yeah, on. Let's, let's, do let's, do let's, let's do that. Let's do that. You know, but I, I, I hear he's got a lovely Sennheiser microphone, headphones, mm. a real soundproof studio. Oh. So if you, if you need all the extras, are you really a professional? It's, it's the quality wow. of what you say, which means I'm in trouble anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't big that side up, Callum. Uh, <laughs> right. right. See you guys later. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We've got in the winner's circle so far, okay, right, what have we got? Willie, uh, Red Bull and Williams. Um, Callan. You chatting so much, you can add another one into the pile. I would say it's a it's a recent winner, but I definitely say it's McLaren. I think we've had enough races now to see that actually the turn of form is is an actual turn of form. We've been to you know low downfall, or medium downfall, whatever you want to call it. Spars, depending on where you lay, it it's it's a low downfall track. We've been to a high downfall track at Silverstone. We've been to the you know the higher downfall side as well in in Budapest. They're just performing the last three races. They performed. I would say that they're definitely on the up and from where they started as well. If someone would have said if that was on the bingo card, McLaren getting it all together, I would have told people that they needed to, um, you know, maybe rethink and uh, try to gain a bit more knowledge about Formula One for lack of a, a ruder way of putting it together. But, and I, I, I don't know how they've done it. I really would like to know, but I just, I just find it ridiculously impressive. And I think one of my big, big winners as well going into the summer break is Oscar Piastri. Mm. I mean, to do what he's doing in that team is is really exceptional. Again, we talk about how difficult it is to come into Formula One in your rookie season. He's just going from strength to strength. He's going about it his way. I I quite like, you know, he maybe isn't the biggest personality in the world compared to, like you say, like Danny Rick or someone. But I quite like the fact that he's quite understated. He's got that like dry sense of humor to him when you see the videos that they post on social media, the stuff that he does. And I, I think Oscar's going to develop into that you know, that kind of funny, dry, sarcastic driver that can be missing sometimes in Formula One from the well-presented, bubbly, you know, media-trained guy. And yeah, he's doing a really, really good job. I'm really excited to see where they go the second half of the season. 
I think for McLaren too, we were kind of waiting for them to have a track where they didn't perform just before the summer break. We're like, we saw Aston Martin have a good weekend or Mercedes have a good weekend and we think, yes, okay, well, Aston Martin had pretty good form for quite a lot of the first half of the season. But Mercedes are back. Mercedes are not back. They're disappearing towards the middle of the grid again and that kind of stuff. And so so we see this upgrade package brought along in Austria and we think, okay, well, that's good. As I mentioned earlier, it's very much a Lando Norris suited track. But again, to, to watch them continue to perform, and it seemed like in, at the Belgian Grand Prix, although not so great um, from, an, from a point of view of watching Lando trundle around the place for a little bit until they fixed that issue with his car, if Oscar wasn't punted by signs in that first corner, then we may have actually seen, again, just what this package can do, but also what these drivers can do. And I think from from that point of view, McLaren is absolutely on the up. And although James Key is no longer part of that team and they've reorganized things internally, it does seem that fourth is really within their in their grasp and, and Alpine should be incredibly worried. Not that they have a leader anyway, but they would be incredibly <laughs> worried if they did have a leader uh, to manage the team into the rest of the year. Yeah, I think you make a very valid point. And also, they're uh, McLaren with a new wind tunnel, which is coming online, I think, sort of as we speak. I think they were calibrating it over over the summer. Um, not really in effect for this year's car, but perhaps for, for next year's car. But just even if you look at their rate of improvement from Bahrain to where we are now, you think, well, wow, you can, mm. you, can, you know, what can you achieve when you start off the year with your baseline much higher? That's right. One of the things I would say as well, Callan, is it's interesting because I felt the same way about Oscar in terms of his personality type, but I think we were all very much comparing him to DR rather than allowing him to be himself. And I spent a bit of time with him at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. <laughs> he is hilarious. He, yeah. he just is such a great guy and I cannot wait for that to start coming out in interviews and on camera and the way that he presents himself. He's 22, an absolute gun and incredibly funny. I mean, he's going to be in this sport for a very long time and I think we'll start to see his personality sort of bubble through to the top when maybe he's not in his rookie season. Yeah, 100%. And we, we know as well, McLaren less so now, but McLaren is 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 a very polished environment, isn't it? And it's it's very difficult to tread the line to know exactly because you're you're dealing with a big corporate powerhouse. They've been in Formula One, and we, we again different management, but we kind of saw it when Lewis left. Actually, how much freedom he was able to kind of give himself in terms of how he expressed himself with you know fashion and other stuff. So, I think you know it's it's kind of sensible the first season just hold a bit back, focus on the results. We even saw it with Lando, didn't we? When he was getting a little bit, um, I, I want to say. Uh, juvenile for lack of a better word but it's not really that it was more you know him just being a, a kid in formula one living his dream wasn't he um and he was kind of told to peg it back a little bit so hopefully we start to see that come out slowly the results will settle and yeah we get to see the really funny side of of oscar piastri as he makes these dry remarks and takes the piss out of the entirety of the grid with results and humor as well <laughs> he was uh he was very funny on um uh he went to wimbledon and he, they got him on the five live coverage and uh, they interviewed him and he loves his tennis. But then at one point, the match was starting to get really good. And they were like, well, look, uh, Oscar, we've got to let you get back because, you know, he's taken up too much time. He was like, do you mind if I just stay here and finish this? I just want to see this set. And you've got a much better view than I have. Yeah. My seat. <laughs> so, so I was like, brilliant. 
brilliant uh so i think he really is coming coming in more and more into his own okay so that's mclaren and piastri sprinkled in with the winners i'm gonna chuck aston martin in there i think you have to uh even with the perhaps little bit of a uh, i'm not gonna call it a decline a plateau over the last couple of races i think they're it's more of a vic they're more of a victim of other other teams having brought upgrades like mclaren as we said and and aston martin might crack saying that perhaps we've gone down the wrong route in the last couple of races in terms of development and and setup but to make the leap they did at the start of the year i mean so i mean speaking to fernando alonso in in spain you know when did you first know that you had a good car underneath you. And he went, well, I mean, testing was good. Nobody really sort of lies in testing anymore, but practice one, we felt good. And then from then on, it was just in Bahrain, it was just plain sailing. And finally, James, Fernando Alonso has made a good career move. (laughs) I really just wish he was able to get the win in Monaco because it was the only opportunity, I think, in this 2023 season for anyone apart from Red Bull to to get a victory. But it does seem like for a change, Fernando Alonso has found himself at the right place at the right time. Now, whether or not that's a benefit from the work that Seb has done with this team, from the last couple of years or, or, who, or the, the building of the campus or who knows. But it has been incredible to see, at least the first half, or well, the majority of the first half of the season, this Aston Martin podium with Alonso and getting a couple of thirds and finally getting onto the second step. And it did seem that we were going to potentially see him on the top step of the podium. Unfortunate about the upgrades not working necessarily for them. And, I mean, it's it's interesting, all bar 47 of the, the championship points for, for Aston Martin, uh, of Fernando Alonso, and it doesn't seem to me that Lance Stroll is really extracting enough out of that car. It certainly didn't extract enough out of that car in the first half of the season to help Aston Martin in the Constructors' Championship. They're third with 196 points at the moment with Ferrari right behind, five points behind them. I think if Stroll was able to get to grips with that car as in the same way Alonso did early on in the season, they would have built out a bigger gap. But more generally, considering where they were, this time last year, I think it's 10 times the amount of points that they had at the similar amount of time. Yeah. No, I mean, the other side of it is, though, Callan, um, should they arguably be second in the championship if they had two drivers capable of, of scoring big, big points every weekend rather than one coming third and the other coming ninth? Yeah. I mean, the they kind of again if you separate the winner it's more fernando alonso than it is for me aston martin because i think they've not necessarily had a season where they've maximized their potential we always use that that word potential um and i think in formula 1 now with it being as close as it is in formula 1.5 you have to maximize your potential you really do um stroll was a bit lackluster at the start of the year but i i also wonder as well i know you you i think your phrasing is much better it's not that they've declined it's that the others have have caught up, they've plateaued. But that is in itself, that is in a, in a constantly evolving sport, that is a decline. If you're not moving forward, you are declining because the others are getting ahead of you. And I, I just wonder how they're going to pull it back in the second half of the year from how we went at the start. It's, it's all very well and good when you have that excitement and that jubilation from consistently being on the podium from where they were. And as you said, what an amazing achievement to get there. But when you have that massive high, of doing it every weekend and then it starts to fade away to the point where you now go to a race weekend and you know barring some unlikely event you're kind of back to where you were before maybe slightly better than last year you're kind of 
how, how do you pick yourself back out of that? And especially someone like Alonso, we know he's a vicious, vicious uh, fighter of a man, the Matador. Is he going to find himself in a position where he's still driving forward if we get to the end of the season and they're still in the same position? They, they really need to turn it around. I would say, if someone would have said to me after round three, biggest winner of the year, it's Aston Martin. But now I, I'm not 100% sure I'd put them in the winner's category, to be honest with you. Ooh, okay, okay. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. If you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com WTF1 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WTF1. Should we open the batting for the losers oh. uh, so far this year? Um, who wants to start? Who's got a loser? I know. Who, I know you've got a loser. I know who you're going to pick on. <laughs> because it's been, it's been a whole 26 minutes and you haven't picked on him yet. Go on, Harry. Say you don't like Nick DeFries. What? No, 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 no. no. I mean, I, I don't kick a man when he's down. Like, come on. Uh, I would call it, well, I mean, obviously he's a big loser because he's lost his seat. Um but the biggest loser, I, I would actually, all right, in that vein, I would actually say Alpha Tauri are Ooh. one of the biggest losers because. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Plum last, three points, and. <clears throat> excuse so me. Getting, getting all emotional when we mention <laughs> his name. I'm sorry. Let's just give Harry a moment to I've just, just got a bit of a frog in my throat. Because uh, I'm a big fan of Yuki Sonoda and the fact that he's only been rewarded with three points just isn't enough. And and now Ricardo's challenging him. And and I just don't know how to think about it anymore. But <laughs> Is when this you, the end of Yuki Sonoda? <laughs> I mean, bottom line, they're losers. They're right at the back. They're mm. behind Alfa Romeo. And... I, I, there's not a quick fix for this. And I mean, James, you know, a couple of years ago, Alpha Tauri were riding high. Fourth places, the win in Monza. You know, how on earth can you just fall down so quickly? Yeah, I loved Pierre Gasly in Brazil when he got the podium saying to Lewis Hamilton, you know, I was even trying to sit down further in the car to reduce drag <laughs> from my helmet back in the day when AlphaTauri was basically the Red Bull from the year before. It seems so bizarre to me that this as what we have all been told by Red Bull to call the sister team of Red Bull is just having the worst time right at the very back of the grid whether it's not being able to share all of the design philosophy in the same way that they have done previously with this new set of regulations, I'm not so sure about because you look at Haas and Ferrari sharing very similar components. So to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think from the team's point of view, yes, Nick DeVries didn't perform to the level of where he should have done considering his, uh, his background, his Formula E championship, his 2019 Formula 2 championship. 
And Yuki Tsunoda should also have been performing a lot better too. But is that the car or the drivers? Hard to, ta- hard to tell. But certainly with the arrival of Daniel Ricciardo, who is absolutely a winner, I think, just specifically, and that is also a win for the fans, I think, too, having him back in the car. What he did in his first Grand Prix back in a car that was the worst car on the grid, at least going into that Grand Prix in Hungary, was incredibly good to watch because he had great communication with his engineer. He was able to extract some pretty decent pace out of the car and then outperform his teammate. So I know that there was a difference in front wings and Yuki had stuffed his and maybe there's some some evidence into that as to maybe he shouldn't have done that too. But I think Alpha Tari just more generally, the, the absolute highs that they have had previously going all the way back, this Minardi Toro Rosso win of Seb Vettel back in Monza to, oh, to this point. What a day. Just, you know, and even, and even the win for Gasly in Monza too. If, if, they, if Daniel Ricciardo doesn't win in Monza again, I will be outraged from an Australian <laughs> point of view. <laughs> we will riot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you're spot on. You, you are bang on. I mean, they, they've got some management shuffling going on. Obviously, Franz Tost leaving the team at the end of the year. Laura Mecki's coming in as team principal. Um, they are apparently going to have a bit of a closer relationship with Red Bull. Alfatari do have a bit of a base over here now as well as in Faenza. Uh, when I say over here, I mean in the UK. Um, and apologies, so easy to, to think. <laughs> Everyone lives in the UK, right? Wait, uh, are you are you English? I actually, I, I always forget that Callan is not actually English. <laughs> I am South African through and through. Don't ah, so you're from voice. you're from south of the UK, and I'm from southeast of the UK in Australia. Yes, yeah, very exactly. good. We, yes, that's right. We're representing the Southern Hemisphere yeah, on this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm the token Londoner. The warm part. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was I saying? I can't. Oh yeah, uh, AlphaTauri are having changes next year. Apparently, mm. I heard a wild rumor. Whether this is true, they were going to try and use Red Bull's car from this year next year, uh, and then you know, which if they can do that is it is not um, uh, a terrible idea. But I wonder. I need to read the rules and regulations, see how mm. actually they can use that because obviously Haas buy as much as they can from Ferrari in terms of the sort of the parts that are allowed to be sold. But I don't think you can literally do a car, but you could just nick the other car. I know Racing Point did it kind of with Mercedes a little bit, but they got in no, they no, got into allegedly. trouble. Allegedly. No, allegedly. Allegedly. They just look the they same. <laughs> and docked points. They were it taken just... to court and found guilty. <laughs> Everything's open to interpretation. It just looked right. the same. And I mean... Oh. I just want justice for Racing Point and the unfortunate <laughs> coincidence. Hey, hey look, controversial. I would like, I think everyone should have the same car, but. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but I, I look at it this way, and, and you know, I use the junior formula as an example because every, there's always that same car debate, isn't there, right? So let's look at F2. It's the series below Formula One. Everyone has the same car, everyone has the same engine. It does produce more uh, difference, more drama, whatever you want, more excitement. But I think that's more because the drivers are younger. I think if you gave Formula One drivers the same car and you gave them limited areas of development, teams would still find ways to develop. And your Adrian Newey's and, you know, the really smart people in Formula One would still find a way to make the car quicker because it happens in F3 and it happens in F2. Mm. It's not like it, it maybe would make the base a little bit more level, but there would still be these incredibly smart individuals building these amazing teams. And, you know, kind of Formula One at its very core route did start off very similar there wasn't the access to information there wasn't the access in terms of technology of what there was and teams and 
you know, people have developed from that. And I think you could, we'd be looking at a hard reset, but I don't think it would make a big difference in five, 10 years time, even probably even less now with the technology available. I know what you guys think about that. That's not really what we're speaking no, about. No, no. Go on. I love a tangent. Uh, I love a, ta- a diversion. Is that the right word? Yeah. A, diver- a tangent. A divergent. Tangent, divergent. I, that is a know. word. I don't know. Sounds like, it sounds like a horror South film. African. Divergent. It's, um, I'm South African. It's not we've gone, hang language. on, we've gone well off course. <laughs> hang on. Right. I, <laughs> let's just, I mean, uh, spec series to the side. You know, maybe we'll do that next week. Um, yes. Alphatauri loses. I need another loser, please, from somebody. Uh, James. I need to bring in Alfa Romeo because yeah. it is. It, I was so excited for Valtteri Bottas to have a better year this year um, to ah. the point where many Australians really just adopted him as the Daniel Ricciardo replacement, much to Oscar Piastri's distress probably. <laughs> was that because of the mullet? Yes, 100%. Um, okay, cool. Just double-checking. His, his partner, Tiffany Cromwell, who is a South Australian, she's a champion cyclist, incredibly lovely person, um, really decided to lean into that whole thing from his marketing point of view, which I thought was brilliant. But at the Australian Grand Prix, you just could not get a word in to Valtteri and the amount of 77 Alfa Romeo hats I saw around the place was just incredible. I've never seen Alfa Romeo merchandise in the same way that I have for Valtteri Bottas, especially here in Australia. But this seems to be the curse of anyone who buys a Ferrari power unit. You have a really good time at the beginning of a regulation change and then as soon as everyone else works it out and figures out something, you end up falling towards the back of the pack. And Alfa Romeo, I think, have just suffered in this instance. Whether or not they are now just totally focused on Audi in 2026 and they're just sort of bumbling their way through trying to set up things for that point of view, I'm not sure. But you see them have... He's like, you see Joe have an incredible qualifying session and then just not get the start right and completely ruin everyone's race, specifically Daniel Ricciardo's race, just to be very annoyed from that point of view. But (laughs) he's the root of the real problem (laughs) here. Crash into Ricciardo or Oscar Pierre. Signs and Joe, you're in the bin. Everyone else can stay out. (laughs) Unbelievable. But I just think it's such a shame because the team had so much promise last year and they were fighting in the mid-pack even towards the front of the mid-pack and now they're just nowhere to be seen. And it, it, it feel you can feel the frustration from both Valtteri and from Joe, both of whom are really good drivers. And I think Joe really developed significantly last year, very much under the radar as the only rookie. Uh, and you've seen some of his performances this year outperforming Valtteri has been impressive to watch. Yeah, and, and also the the kind of pedigree and insight that Valtteri brings. He is he's you know he's got a lot of experience in a in a winning team. Yeah, yeah. He was there all those years, and and he was one of the most. I hate using the expression number two, but he's been probably one of the best number two drivers there's been in terms of his consistency, his performance, and it's even in a dominant car, it's not easy to do. I mean, look at Checo. Mm. We keep having yeah. you see how dominant the Red Bull is. It's not easy mm. to keep delivering in Formula One. That's why it's it's you know that's why it's Formula One and. I really thought Valtteri was going to jump in the car and, and give it that next step, build the team, help, you know, Joe come along as well. And it's just not really materialized, has it? And they uh, they have these flashes, but they can never mm. fully maximize it. And it's it's too many errors where you lose. on if you, if you have one weekend where you can put it all together, if you don't put it together, those are the weekends that hurt you in the long run, don't they, for the championship? Yeah. Really have to maximize it. And realistically, there's only two spots left on the grid to make any points because they've got such dominant teams towards the front. So the fight for ninth and 10th 
is such a vicious one. And you would think that Valtteri, who, as you say, quite rightly, Callan, I think put such a great effort in alongside Lewis. You know, if Lewis wasn't on form, and I remember 2019, Valtteri Bottas, that win here in Australia, the first round of that season, no one could come close to him. He, he was just a man who was so committed. Lewis was so off the pace compared to Valtteri. And we're not seeing that in, in Checo now and that dominance in the Red Bull car. But it's such a shame to to see him because it's almost like he's going to be losing faith in the whole development of the car and I'd hate to see him exit Formula One in a time where the car hasn't been in a place for him to be able to extract the best out of it. He's going to go, go win a cyclocross world championship, I reckon. Yeah, that's, that's his right. big thing now. Yeah, gravel I him on Strava and his gravel, his gravel numbers are quite <laughs> frankly exceptional. I mean, what, he, what he's lacking in terms of power from that Ferrari power unit, just put his legs on the floor and let the yeah. magic happen. That's what I say. So really, Bottas is a big winner when it comes to the old cycling. His, his gravel numbers. Bottas is... Bottas's quads and calves. You do have quite an obsession with Bottas's quads, I must say. Uh, and, and it's like I just usage. don't know how such a small man can develop so much power. The numbers are through the roof. I just, I just yeah, imagine you sit in your spare started. time, you're just like stalking his Strava, just trying to crunch the numbers. Just, I can't believe he's doing it's, all this. It's not. It's not stalking if it's research. Come on, everyone. It's knows not that, stalking right? if he's made it public. Um, so <laughs> you're fine. You're clear. Okay, I think we're all. I, I agree with you on the Alfa Romeo stuff because just we're running out of time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Ferrari, what do we do about a problem like Ferrari? I mean, I, I would say they're not winning, they're losing. I, I actually, let's, I want to group them together, actually. Ferrari and Mercedes... Mercedes coming off the back of such dominance, I would say anything now is really a loss. Um, and the fact that you know the zero side put idea, scrapping it, coming back with a double podium in, in Barcelona, was this the kickstart? Everything was going to be happy day, sunshine and roses. It wasn't. And equally Ferrari, they were the ones to, to take the fight more often than not last year and are now see themselves fourth in the constructors. Leclerc blowing up in race one and, and, and just not those two dominant forces of formula one gone by are now, you know, where? Well, not, not very dominant. Clearly. I mean, <laughs> thanks, Callan. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the great insight, insight Callan. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I'm here for. I, I always find though with teams like Ferrari and Mercedes, we, we expect this amazing thing because they have the name, they have the pedigree. But 
that doesn't mean anything realistically when you think about mm. it. You know, they they kind of we have these these two great car manufacturers being beaten by a drinks company. It's kind of ludicrous when you think about it, isn't it? And it, it kind of shows that actually Formula One is is probably a little bit more difficult than maybe the the sort of non um, obsessed fan. As we there's a reason we all get obsessed by Formula One, right? It's because there's so many key intricacies to it that make it such an interesting sport. If you really look hard enough, it's not just cars going around in circles and just because you have an amazing pedigree and you have a great heritage and you've been in the sport for ages because of the fast paced nature of it, it doesn't guarantee anything. And as you said, I think Mercedes really are big losers. We, we got used to that dominance, but yeah, Ferrari, it's been over a decade since we've seen them win a championship. It's been again, probably a decade since we've seen them consistently fight for a championship, you know, taking into the last race of the season. Fernando Alonso was the last driver from memory that was able to do that. And, we know how good Fernando is, and I just, I just don't know how they claw it back from here. And, and at what point do we stop talking about them as this dominant powerhouse, and they just become, well, they, you know, they make nice road cars, and you know, what a great factory, and I love pasta, but you know, they're not really winners in Formula One anymore. James, well, I'll I th- let you. What uh, <laughs> a place to pick up. What I think is really interesting <laughs> up until this point, we haven't had Ferrari sort of start blaming drivers. There's always been a point where Ferrari haven't performing have been performing where one of the drivers gets sacrificed, right? We saw it with Seb Vettel, we've seen it with Kimi, we've seen it with Rubens and many others really, most of most of the Formula One drivers. So I think what will be interesting going into the second half of this season is certainly now with this rumor about Carlos Sainz signing this pre-agreement with Audi, which makes a lot of sense. His dad, of course, racing with Audi and um, in Dakar and the connections there is maybe there's going to be a shift in how Ferrari talk about their lack of performance because they can't blame Mattia Bonotto anymore. In fact, from what I understand, everyone who worked with Mattia Bonotto really enjoyed him and we might see him back in the paddock sooner rather than later, either with Audi or indeed with Alpine, seeing what happens in that space. But it's probably a bigger issue. And I think you're right, Callum. Like, why do we always have to say Ferrari should be part of the top three? They have to always be winning championships. I know they have the right of veto in the FIA world, and I think that's a separate conversation altogether. But from from this point of view, they just haven't been able to get everything right. The design philosophy just isn't up to scratch with what Red Bull is doing. The operations side of the business hasn't been as strong as that should have been for a top-tier team. And I think now focusing on hopefully maybe one of those drivers being the lead driver rather than saying, oh, both of them are quite good, like they have been saying this year, will maybe actually start to allow the team to develop around Charles Leclerc because let's be honest, that's who it's going to be. It's not going to be Carlos Sainz and maybe we'll start to sort of bring it towards the front. The same goes for Mercedes because they've got a brilliant driver in Lewis Hamilton and a great young up-and-comer, he's not that young anymore, I suppose, in George Russell, who's no longer interested in playing the entry to the team game like he did last year. He wants podiums and he wants a better strategy than Lewis. And so I think the time has come for both of these teams to really take a look inside to see who they're going to back and how they're going to do it because otherwise... Red Bull is just going to be, obviously they're driving off into the sunset anyway, but the distance will be further. And teams like McLaren and Aston Martin are going to absolutely dominate both of these teams who are Mercedes customers, not even OEM, which is should be embarrassing, I think, for that organisation. Baldwin has spoken. That is... Yeah, wow. <laughs> laid what the a, marker what a, down. What a, 
What a statement that is. Uh, but you know Ferrari what? Coming after you, I reckon. Yeah. You're never going to be allowed in Fiorano and Maranello. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> no more pasta for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you, you make very, you make very, very apt points. Um, look, it, it, in in the uh, process of, of running out of time, Haas, mm, I, I struggle to put them in a winner or a losing pack. This is a bit meh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's again, it's on its day. It's amazing. But if it's not on its day, we we like the drivers and they're they're doing the job that everyone kind of expects, and it comes down to expectation, doesn't it? It's it's not necessarily a team we've ever expected to do great things. So therefore, when they do great things, it's a it's a welcome change mm. and it's a surprise, and everyone's happy. But if they don't, it, you you don't you don't expect it from them, do you? No. And uh, James Alpine, I mean, I, I would firmly paste them in the losing camp. I think the manager, the managers, and the the top tier board would certainly agree with that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Cyril Abitable was sort of booted from the team for for losing Daniel Ricciardo, but he also got Daniel Ricciardo uh, away from Red Bull and, and was able to show this this wonderful team of Renault who was still at least getting podiums in his time of being team principal. I just don't think they fully understand what it is that they're trying to do. Of course, this selling a portion of the business is one thing. The rumours of, and- of Andretti now circling for potentially getting control of it and are they a power unit manufacturer or are they a Formula One team? This is a team that has done both of those things and come in and out of the sport uh, as, as regularly as Honda has, to be honest. And I think for, for again, sort of on the, the point what I was sort of making with Ferrari and Mercedes, it's great to have two good drivers, but you need to build a team really around one. And, and for both Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly, they're both at the same point in their career. They both have great days and poor days and unfortunately I just don't I think they're probably expending so much energy on trying to outdo each other rather than looking externally and really maybe playing a better team game to ward off McLaren I mean well not anymore because McLaren (laughs) almost double the points ahead of them but this is a team that should be firmly in fourth I mean Otmar Safnau said that they'd be competing fourth for this season but closer to third then he adjusted to fourth now he's no longer part of the team. So I, it's interesting to see, you know, it's like how how can you come back from that for the rest of this season? I, I want to know how far into this 100 race plan they're in because <laughs> yeah. I feel like they've been saying that for like five years now. <laughs> no one yeah. actually knows where they are on that timeline. But Otmar's always, you know, we've still got time to uh, yep. you know, 100 still races. Still 99 more races, including <laughs> yeah. this one. Yeah, it's, it's like what you say, it's it's every weekend, isn't it? It's like, oh, I want to start training tomorrow. I mean, this is this is my year. I'm going to hit the gym hard. I'm going to do all that. Callum, I said that sudden- to you in private. Can we not bring that up, please? <laughs> And you look great. You're doing amazing. We can, you know, I'm so proud of you. You're you're, you're radiant. Um, it's one of the it's, it's one of those, isn't it? Where they just if you decide that you haven't started yet, then you can just keep pushing it forward. And I think we're we're still about five five or six races away from the uh, the start of the hundred race plan. And I can't wait to see what happens in those hundred races. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe it was Otmar's personal 100 place race uh, plan, and he and the, maybe it was all about him and where he was going. Um, anyway, we shall see. Well, those are our winners and losers. Uh, let us know uh, if you agree or if you would uh, place uh, place them in different orders. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch uh, on the WTF on social channels. But that is it. We are out of time. We are over time. Uh, but thank you very much uh, for listening, uh, wherever you may be. Make sure you are following and subscribe to the WTF on social and YouTube channels. In the meantime. Um, 
James, thank you so much for taking the time. Where can people find you and your work? Uh, the best place is to find me on Instagram at I'm James Baldwin. But if you're interested in hearing more Ferrari hot takes, you can go to the Lakeside Drive <laughs> F1 podcast where I'm not the one doing them. More often, it's everybody else. So, uh, <laughs> it's the Australian opinion on Formula One and why Carlos Sainz is to blame for Oscar Piastri's incident. <laughs> we look we look forward to the episode where you tried to enter Italy and get forcibly removed. Yeah, very, very right. that one. <laughs> I'm trying to go to Alpha Tauri. Leave me alone. I'm seeing Daniel. <laughs> And on that note, we'll say goodbye, shall we? Thank you so much, James. We're with your time. And from myself, Harry Benjamin and Callan O'Keefe, uh, we shall see you next week if Callan can be asked to turn up. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>